Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. The words that Randall uttered before we started the show are about bringing down the system. And I know we've talked about instances here where UFOs have been in and around nuclear installations, certainly the Malmstrom incident, where it would look like E.T. or whatever was sending the UFOs over, might be doing funky things. And you think how fragile our infrastructure really is. We have an instance where a ransomware attack took out half of the East Coast's oil in America. Then we had the other day one customer of a large internet backbone made a change in the setting and major sites such as Amazon suddenly stopped working for several hours. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I think Jeff can afford it. Well, probably, but just think about that, how fragile our system is and how vulnerable we are really are. I mean, we're talking about hackers, but imagine if someone from another planet with advanced weaponry, advanced techniques, wanted to do something really, really funky to this planet. It would be easy as pie for them. Well, they've actually written not so much about whether or not aliens could do that. I'm sure there are people, there's people who have, but... People have written about the vulnerability in our infrastructure because of all the automation that it has now. There are there have been hackers who have hacked into nuclear plants and uh, were able to show how they could turn off uh, cooling systems and shut down entire grids. And yeah, I mean it, it's entirely possible. And they're spending a lot of money trying to keep people out of those systems. And of course, not all of them are just your hackers in the basements. You've got foreign countries and foreign powers who are trying to do it too. So yeah, it's uh it's an ongoing battle. The the war has moved into cyberspace. Curtis, yeah. welcome to the show. Yeah, welcome oh, Craig Collins. Isn't it enjoyable as we talk about the entire system being brought down and why we don't have to depend on ET of doing it? Well, that's I guess that's comforting. There's an old uh, trope in fiction about uh, an extraterrestrial threat causing humanity to unite. And that's been used in fiction since, oh, for ages and ages. It was, and, and Ronald Reagan had a, a speech based on probably a, an episode of a, a movie or probably a day the earth stood still that, that uh, made him use that. And he talked about, you know, what if there was an alien enemy and isn't there one among us? So, you know, we, we have to wonder if uh, it, it, it's, it does cross my mind if we're seeing a scenario like that today, whether or not it's uh, real or imagined. Well, remember in Day the Earth Stood Still, and I always think of the original one. I couldn't stand the one with Keanu Reeves. No objection to Keanu Reeves as an actor, and I understand as an individual, he's very charitable, very friendly. But in the original movie with Michael Rennie, in order to prove E.T.'s power, he literally causes the entire Earth's power structure to fail, except he has the power to keep planes flying, to do things that would not physically damage or hurt anybody, but just cause enough so they, the entire Earth stops running, except for those specific things. And remember, if we're dealing with an alien race that's thousands of years ahead of us, they can do all this magical stuff. 
And today that would be, you know, you were just talking about the Internet. And, of course, that would go down in, in that scenario. You know, the electricity alone or, or water or any of our infrastructure would be critical. But, you know, we're so dependent now on information, you know, ba- for banking and everything, insurance, policies. It, it's just and you can't even book a hotel room just about these days without access to the internet. So we would just we would just be crippled in, in such a scenario. So let's hope that those devious little aliens are not planning anything like that. It's so ironic because they used to tell us, remember back when the internet was coming, it was like the internet is practically indestructible. A nuclear bomb could go off and parts of it would still be up. You can't take the whole thing down. Unless you just happen to be the guy sitting at the terminal and put a bracket in the wrong place in a piece of code, you know, like, or push just one button, right, in the wrong place. So it it, it just really does make you wonder sometimes. I've still got a, 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 a wired phone to the wired system. I'm not using a cell phone. Well, that's interesting. I, I, I gave up on, on my landline a while ago, but, you know, I was just I, I thought I would never would. And it's, I, you know, and, and they used to carry the Internet signal for me and, you know, switched over eventually. Uh, and, and that was probably, oh, at least into the 1960s was assumed that that would be something that would continue forever. The only change they, they probably imagined was that you would have a, a television screen attached to it. And that was a long time coming and didn't happen the way that they predicted. But it's um, it's it's just it's just amazing the way that technology continues to become part of our lives and and, and creep in and, and the, so that we're so dependent on it. Oh, man, I remember when they were talking about, uh, you know, the cashless society, even, say, 20 years ago. And I thought to myself, there is no way people would let them do that to us, like basically have us not be able to pay for things in cash. But they're so insidious and they work at it in, in, in a way I don't remember the last time I actually paid cash for something. The other day, I had one of those incidents where, you know, all your cards fall out. And I'm going, oh, my God, there isn't any cash in here at all. It's all plastic. It wasn't so long ago. Well, it doesn't seem like so long ago to me that that it was there were certain places, you know, if you didn't have cash, you, you couldn't eat or you couldn't buy something. But now, you know, you, you can buy just the smallest trivial purchase with, with a credit card or and, and now you can do it with a, a swipe of a, your phone. So, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's just it's it's very well, strange. I mean, with this pandemic, too, there were some places that were refusing cash because you could take your chip card or your phone, like you were saying, there's no contact. You don't have to tell. You don't have to touch anything. So there was a few people even doing that. Like, well, no you do cash. have to tap something, like a lot of credit cards. You can tap the terminal. The thing they determined though with the pandemic is that wasn't a source of infection. It's airborne, so well, it doesn't matter. There's a whole. Well, we could get into pandemic politics. No, we're not. <laughs> no pandemic you know, politics. By the way, in politics. Star Trek universe, in the Star Trek universe, there is no money. Remember the movie money. Star they Trek Four: The Voyage Home, where they had to trade in something in order to get money at a pawn shop, and then yeah. when Captain Kirk 
is having dinner with this woman who is the scientist, this female scientist, and when it comes time to pay, there's no money in the 23rd century. He couldn't pay. She did. She had to pay the bill. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're going to travel around in time, what else is you know? What are you supposed to do? It's just that I know there was an episode. That's this is an ongoing debate with Star Trek, but they they did have there was a line somewhere in one of them where someone said, you know, the the they're not paying you enough to do this, and and I guess the, the if you're in Starfleet, there's some sort of credit system that that they give you. How and then of course there's you know the the gold pressed latinum that the Ferengi use and, and there's certain chips here and there. And so I guess it depends on which part of the Federation you are in. And the the Ferengis were kind of outsiders, I think, right? What was that again? The Ferengi were kind of outsiders though. Well, they were the renegades and they, you know, not, I mean, they were, they were integrated pretty, pretty well with a lot of the different races there because they were traders. We got to trade this, folks. We got, got Kurt Collins joining us this week with Gene and with Randall. It means you're in the Paracast. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Past results do not guarantee future performance. As life in America looks to return to normal, how can you succeed in the new stock market? With the tech dip, volatility with interest rates, and fear around the yield curve, it's virtually impossible to guess what will happen next. With Vantage Point, you don't have to. Text the word MONEY to 813-813 to find out how our technology can forecast market trends up to three days in advance with incredible accuracy. Text MONEY to 813-813 to find explosive moves before they happen. Vantage Point's patented artificial intelligence can give you a massive edge. Text the word MONEY to 813-813. Start predicting trends 72 hours in advance and maximize your gains. Text MONEY to 813-813. Experience Vantage Point for free. Learn how successful traders generate their wealth. Don't wait. Text the word money to 813-813. Go to vantagepointsoftware.com for terms, conditions, and privacy policy. 
Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. And the IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how did it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. (laughs) I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes... Take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. 800-503-8625. Have you ever thought about turning your Glock, XD family, or 1911 handgun into a semi-automatic carbine? It only takes about 30 seconds. The Mech Tech Carbine Upper is classified as an accessory and can be delivered right to your doorstep with no FFL or background check required. It's the world's most versatile pistol accessory. Build your custom upper today. Simply go to handgunconversion.com. That's handgunconversion.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Okay, Kurt Collins, we're talking about UFO culture. And now, of course, UFOs are back in the news. When we were doing... Our episode with Gary Voorhees Jr., one of the people who witnessed the Tic Tac UFO, along comes a link to a story at the New York Times, where apparently they leaked some or all of the upcoming report from the Pentagon UAP task force. And I assume, Kurt, you've followed some of these stories where I call it waffling. We don't have evidence that UFOs are ET but we don't have evidence to say they're not. That's right. And the story, as the original headline came out, was different. It it changed within hours. The original headline read, government finds no evidence that aerial sightings were alien spacecraft. And within hours, it was reflected more the tone of the article. Government finds no evidence of alien technology and flying objects, comma, but can't rule it out either. That was both on uh, June the 3rd. Now, the print edition had a different headline when it came out. It was on the front page. It said, U.S. concedes it can't identify flying objects. So so that sort of reflected the spectrum of opinions on that. And one thing about it, though, is that we didn't get any 
quotes from the report itself. It was just senior uh, officials or administration officials that were giving comments. And we don't know if there's actually anything in the report about extraterrestrials or if these people were asked their opinion and the article reflects it. But, uh, you know, certainly if there was some evidence, that would have been mentioned. But, you know, they say that it basically it's can't confirm or deny a situation because there's not enough evidence either way. And now there's another thing that was pointed out here too. the AP story said this was a status report, meaning that it's still a work in progress, which may be the biggest headline. We don't know what's going on yet. And certainly not one of ours. They threw a hint out. Well, maybe some of them might be from Russia or China, but that doesn't cover all of them. Basically, they don't know. That's right. There were some interesting things, and there's some details we didn't have before. I I don't like to read a lot of material, but a couple of quotes are important. The report determines that the vast majority of more than 120 incidents over the past two decades did not originate from any American military or other advanced U.S. government technology, the officials said. And they go on to say, they mention that number, more than 120 incidents again, and, and say that it also examined incidents in foreign militaries from the past two decades. So, so there we have at least some definition of the number of cases and the length of time being examined. They're not, they're not relitigating all of UFO history. This is relatively recent events. And um, I don't think I read that portion, but it's predominantly incidents from the U.S. Navy. Apparently they have had the most and they had formed this recent uh, effort to investigate, which led to the now the Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force, which is a multi-agency cooperative effort. And we don't really know the size of it. If it's a couple of guys on a desk or, you know, if it's like some big squad, I think it's probably a, a small to medium effort. Well, the one interesting thing about it here is how narrowly focused it is, as you say, over 120 cases out of thousands and thousands over the years. So you never know what what that's going to bring. The point being here is that it kept the conversation up. They didn't go the Condon route, which was what Kevin Randall first feared, that they would just simply deny the whole thing and that's it. All it did was leave a door open. The unclassified report, and remember this show is being done before then, is apparently due the 25th of June. But then it may still be a status report. It may not say anything more than what we've heard from this. Remember, these leaks are deliberately staged by the officials involved where they talked to members of the media and gave them a summary probably verbally, because they didn't show any quotes from the report, a verbal summary of what it would say. That's right. And most of the reporting simply Xeroxed what the uh, New York Times had to say about it. But one uh, one agency, and it was kind of unlikely, was CNN. And they they did some investigating reportings and claimed that they talked to uh, five people involved. And they added some information. And I'm going to have to read another quote. Uh, Additionally, technical intelligence experts still need information on these encounters to reach a conclusive assessment. Uh, And I'll skip ahead to the good part. 
CNN, uh, they told CNN that many encounters turned out to have perfectly normal explanations like a weather balloon or drone. In some instances, sightings have been removed from the U.S. government database tracking these encounters. Okay, that's I'll cut off there, but they've investigated and eliminated some reports, and yet they still have 120. Now, we don't know if how many of these may also be identified or eliminated, but apparently they are working through these and have identif- identified some. And I think when, when this report comes out, it's very important we have access. Well, if we get access to anything, we don't know if we will, but access to the IFO, the uh, identified flying object cases, so that we can compare well, really give us some idea of the rigor of their investigation. And like, do they have video from these that we can compare to the unknowns to see, you know, how great the difference is? You know, it's really to weigh the evidence, the, the capability of, well, maybe they don't want our enemies to know this, but, you know, the, the, the capability of the infrared cameras and whatever sensors are detecting these things. What we really need here is, sure, I mean, that's a great idea, but we need access to the ones that can't be identified what those are like we need to see those original footage videos of taken off the nimitz for example where people like you know Voorhees says they were very clear you could tell what what they were without all of this blurriness going on we need somebody to bring that information out and show us and take us to it and take us to the place where the guys who landed the helicopter on the ship flew off with it Right. And and talk to the people who analyzed it there, wherever that is. Right. This whole. Well, we'll just give you a report thing doesn't tell us who did it, where the files are, what's on nothing. Right. It's a big red herring is what it is. Remember, too, that there's a classified annex that will have a lot of information that will not go into the version that's available to the public. A number of members of Congress in the Intelligence Committee, for example, do have access. Certainly the President of the United States says, I have no idea what kind of interest he has and don't want to get into the politics of that because he is clearly going to stay away. But once this report is out, he's going to be asked. Clearly, NASA, and the head there is what's former Senator from Florida, Nelson? Bill Nelson. <laughs> Bill Nelson, right. And he lost by just a narrow margin, but... He's there saying it should be taken seriously. We're going to take this seriously. We have Kurt Collins, who will also join us for After the Paracast this week. A lot to talk about, as you see. With Gene and with Randall, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions, silverlungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs Generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs Generator and Lung Delivery System at silverlungs.com. That's silverlungs.com. 
Are you afraid to go to the mailbox because of letter after letter from the IRS? Are they stacking on more and more penalties and interest? By now, you know the problem won't go away on its own. Don't let the IRS chase you to your grave with penalties and interest and liens and levies. You need real help now. I'm Dan Pilla. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I help thousands of people solve tax problems they thought couldn't be solved. I can help you too. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. USA Radio News with Dan Naraki. Earlier this week, Texas Governor Greg Abbott announced $250 million in funding for the state to build a wall on the border with Mexico. But Representative Henry Cuellar says that the state's wall is unlikely to be built as big as the governor wants. The Texas Democrat tells CNN that President Biden is unlikely to lift certain restrictions that President Trump did during his term to get construction done. When you look at how many miles he built, he built a little bit over 50 miles of new fencing in four years. And that's because he was able to waive environmental laws. So there's no way that uh, our friend Joe Biden is going to waive any environmental laws. So if Trump was stopped, certainly uh, Abbott will be stopped also. If, you know, if he wants to spend $250 million of taxpayers' dollars, he ought to build a grid uh, instead of building uh, the electric grid. He ought to build the electric grid instead of trying to build a 14th century uh, wall. You're listening to USA Radio News. Former Vice President Mike Pence is speaking out against President Biden. Wendy King has more. The Faith and Freedom Coalition is wrapping up their conference. On Friday, former Vice President Mike Pence blasted President Biden. In just 148 days, the Biden-Harris administration has unleashed a tidal wave of left-wing policies that threaten to wipe out all the progress that we made. Most people cheered, but a few people booed him and chanted he was a traitor. From the USA Radio News Pacific Northwest Bureau, I'm Wendy King. And an ultra-conservative candidate has won in Iran's presidential election. Hardliner Ibrahim Raisi won just over 60% of the votes in an election marked by low turnout. Raisi is the top judge in Iran and personally under sanctions from the U.S. He's accused of taking part in the mass execution of political prisoners in the 80s. Ricey will take office in early August. You're listening to USA Radio News. Join me, George Norrie, for the Worldwide Contact in the Desert Virtual UFO Conference, June 25th to June 28th. Contact in the Desert is an epic weekend of adventure jam-packed with exciting explorations into UFOs, ancient civilizations, AI, crop circles, forbidden archaeology, disclosure, and the newest evidence of ongoing contact, sightings, and leading-edge science. This amazing weekend delivers more than 130 presentations and special events showcasing 67 speakers from all over the world with two extra weeks to view your favorite leading experts, including Avi Loeb with Clyde Lewis, Linda Moulton Howe, Paul Hellyer, John Lear, Russell Targ, David Childress, Doc Wallach, and more. With breaking articles in the New York Times and acknowledged naval sightings, and more importantly, the new release of classified documents on the day of the soft opening of Contact in the Desert, we are your source for inside information. Join us June 25th at contactinthedesert.com to get your tickets today. Make contact, contactinthedesert.com. Hi, this is James Fox. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We have Kurt Collins. We're talking about all the stories that many of you have read or heard on your favorite cable news channel that the Pentagon UAP task force is coming up with a report where they basically say, we don't know. 
Of course, the first headline said, well, we don't have evidence that it's E.T. But one thing not explained, and nobody seems to be asking the question, what kind of evidence would they require to conclude that it's E.T.? Would it have to be the spaceship? Would it have to be some physical evidence? What evidence would it be? Would it be circumstantial? Well, because it does things we can't do, it must be from off-world. What constitutes evidence? Kurt Collins, what's your impression? Well, I think that's that's the last part you said, where the the stories of uh, the report from the pilots and what the videos seem to show that that's why this is being taken so seriously, you know. But it's a lot. A lot of this is murky. There are these talk of drones, and they're using the Navy has used the term, the terminology for UAP to include unmanned aerial systems that they couldn't pinpoint as something like a. A quadricopter or something, so so that causes some confusion. But we we mentioned before the break, um, Bill Nelson. Uh, he was asked about the possibility that it could be something extraterrestrial, and NASA has always, if they were asked about anything alien, UFOs, they would pivot to the topic of alien life that it probably exists in the universe, and you know, so it was kind of a invasive answer. And they've never never talked in positive terms about, about UFOs that I can recall. And it was very interesting because he said, and I'll just read this short bit, you know, when he was asked about it being extraterrestrial. What it is, we don't know. So now I'm here at NASA. I've turned to our scientists and I've said, would you, looking at the scientific standpoint, see if you can determine so we have a better idea. He said that he had spoken before he went to NASA and his capacity as a senator, that he had spoken to the pilots and was part of this effort by the senators to try to gather information. And now he's taken that mission to NASA. And we've never had that before. So this is truly interesting. So now I'm waiting for the follow through, but it's certainly an interesting prospect. Okay, what we're getting here again, though, is the same, the same thing. Just let me rant for for just a moment on this, okay? Because this goes way back to the very beginning when they decided that instead of calling them flying saucers, they were going to call them unidentified flying objects. So the government agencies define UFOs or UAPs now, which even adds more confusion, but it still has what Jacques Vallée called treacherous, and that is the word unidentified. It lets them tell us they're here without telling us in those words. And we can really see how this works when we apply it to another situation. Like if someone asks if you're unemployed and you had the same option that they use with UFOs, you could say, well, I'm not self-employed. I'm not employed by the government. I'm not employed (laughs) by Walmart or McDonald's or GM or any known man-made or natural employer known on Earth. So you tell me, (laughs) right? But people don't get that. It takes that extra step for people's brains to go, oh, they're dodging us on this, right? But when you put it in those terms and you compare the two, it becomes really obvious that they're telling us they're here, but they just can't tell us they're here. 
If we can, if we can turn back the clock a little bit to compare this to what was happening in 1952, most most people interested in UFOs know about the incident over Washington D.C. that that took place over two weeks, and it it caused such a furor. You know, there were uh, you know great radar returns of of something on the radar, and everyone body wanted to know what was behind this. And the, so General Sanford was speaking on behalf of the Air Force in a press conference, and he gave a, a, a lengthy statement and then followed by a question and answers from the press. And it's really interesting what he said. Of course, a lot of it was about the particulars of that incident, you know, saying that, well, it could have been, you know, f- faulty radar signals. But he talked about uh, U.S. Air Force policy. And one of the things he admitted, he didn't actually name Charles Ford in this, but he referred to his work and he said that sightings of this type or reports of this type go back centuries. So that was one thing. First of all, he was saying it's not our fault and it didn't, this didn't happen, start on our watch. So I think that, w- that was kind of an out. And so in a way, that was interesting. Um, and there's several mentions of Ford in some of the, the Air Force files. They they checked out the work and apparently whether or not they actually believe they're alien spacecraft or whatever, we can't say, but they thought that what he had said, at least in broad terms about these reports, was genuine. And so that's kind of an acknowledgement of something right there. Of course he went on to say that whatever was happening was not a not a threat to the security of the United States. However, they would keep watching and give it attention that it merited just in case something were to arise. There's a lot more to that, but but that was that was the gist of it. And, and of course, the, the famous line that came out that probably everyone knows is that that there were um, credible or observers of relatively incredible things. You know, there were people, their own pilots even, that they um, thought were trustworthy that reported these. So they we're not prepared to go any further than that. They acknowledged that there was a, a phenomena and that it was nothing new. What they didn't say come out and say outright was there was nothing they could do about it. Well, like Gene says too, though, it's like all of a sudden we have this particular task force report and it's as if all of this other stuff that you and I and anyone who's involved in the field knows about goes back decades back to the 40s and and as you were saying some people acknowledge may go back centuries maybe even further than that so 120 reports are you kidding me i mean blue book alone had thousands right so i mean (laughs) who who do they think they're fooling here by saying oh well we just got 120 reports we know they've got way more than that like really honestly 120 it's laughable well, before you condemn them for that too much, it could be that these are cases where there's there is sensor evidence, you know, camera footage or radar returns or something, something really solid, not just a testimony of pilots or, or, you know, just not eyewitness testimony alone, in other words. And now if you look at it in that sense, I think any investigator would, would consider the only 120 pretty substantial. That sounds pretty good to me. Well, okay, but then if, you know, guys like Elizondo can be believed and there are people who think he's actually pretty credible, uh, he says that these things were being cited on a weekly basis, okay? And 
on their ships and tracked by their ships. And that's just on his watch. What about all the rest? I mean, they've got to have thousands of these, right? 120 is ridiculous when you really think about it. Yeah, I, I don't know if that just simply indicates a starting point from when the Navy began collecting information seriously. I don't know. We'll, I'm hoping the report will clarify a lot of those details. I, I feel lucky in some regards we even get the number 120 or the <laughs> yeah. time frame. You know, yeah. that's that's a start. So that is one, you know, a little, little peek into things. Um, but so, well, one aspect of this, too, is, is the um, – all the publicity that's come out of this. And, you know, we all got here from a strange way, from a rock star millionaire getting involved in things. But and it, it took the involvement of the military and the fact that politicians and the government were interested in doing, making a report to really put this thing over. And that's what why well, 60 Minutes is covering it. And then once they've done the story, all these other serious media outlets that would never touch UFOs have become involved. And then you have the ex-presidents and ex-CIA people uh, given comments on uh, on UFOs, which are strangely similar. It's almost like they're reading from the same script. They're, I mean, they're basically saying things like, it's important for us to know where these, what these things are, no matter where they come from. Let us do our break your eyes. More to come with Kurt, Gene, and Randall. You're in The Paracast. Listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream, a dream that turns out to be a nightmare because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNloans.com. That's GCNloans.com. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. 
Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you. People seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com. And if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more. And this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com. ParanormalDate.com. And use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. Stop aging now. Restore those joints. Boost your strength. Because it's official. Nutramedical has released the most exciting, powerful anti-aging supplement on the market. Dr. Bill Deagle's Red Deer Velvet DR has been approved by the U.S. Patent Office. Imagine stem cell rejuvenation all in one capsule without huge expense. Dr. Bill M.D. discovered that as an unborn baby grows in the mother's womb, he or she does not deteriorate or physically age. Red Deer Velvet DR, like the uterus, provides 300 biomolecules and six hormones protected in one special DR capsule that delivers lipid packages directly into your circulation. This patented technology bypasses the stomach and is released into the small bowel unaltered by digestive enzymes and stomach acid. Remember, Red Deer Velvet DR. Improve endurance, stimulate your immune system, increase learning ability, and even improve sexual libido with Red Deer Velvet DR. Click NutriMedical.com, that's N-U-T-R-I Medical.com, or call toll-free 888-212-8871 and get on the road to a newer, rejuvenated, happier you. This is Joshua P. Warren, author of The Poor Man's Paranormal, and you're listening to The Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Kurt Collins, you make a very interesting point here, that they're all reading from the same script, which is basically stopping short of E.T., but saying that these things need to be investigated. That's if suddenly they all know this is their time. So we have former heads of the CIA, Woolsey and Brennan. We have Senator Rubio. Of course, we have Chris Mellon, who was a deputy secretary of state for both, I think, George W. Bush and also Bill Clinton. Point being, of course, here we're dealing with both parties. So in discussing this, we don't have that distinction. In fact, the survey they did recently showing about a third of the people in the U.S. believe UFOs are extraterrestrial, there was practically no difference between Democrats, Republicans, and independents. As nonpartisan as a subject can get, I mean, we can't get the entire country to agree who the president is. But when it comes to UFOs, a third will say it's E.T., yeah, and even our senators are working together on a project. That's amazing. I, I, who, so you, ET has united humanity. <laughs> yeah, well, we'd like to think so. Anyway, what are we going to do if they, if they, if we do get this disclosure? We're all going to be out of a job. We're going to be going like, oh, what do we do now? <laughs> We're going to have to come up with a new podcast. Well, oh. yeah, but that doesn't tell us where. 
Bigfoot is, and I have a feeling this UFO thing is going to drag on. And it's going to drag on. Remember, as the AP story said, we're dealing here with what might be a status report. And they can come back in six months and say, we're still trying to figure it out. And maybe reach a point where people will say, all right, fine, let's go on with our lives. You know, I keep looking at the past for, for clues. And one of the things that is interesting to look at statements by the Air Force over, over the years. So in 1952, there was, a, there was a magazine. It was one of these sensational types that distorted the words of the Air Force. And they were basically saying that General Sanford says aliens exist. And he said nothing of the kind. However, it prompted a response from the, the Air Force. And, and he, they said, as limited as man is in his knowledge and understanding of the universe, and its many forces, it would be foolhardy indeed to deny the possibility that higher forms of life exist else, existed elsewhere. It would be similarly unreasonable to deny that intelligent beings from some other world were able to visit our planet, at least to travel within our atmosphere. However, the Air Force desires to reiterate emphatically that there's absolutely no evidence to indicate this possibility has been translated into reality. So... They opened the door for the possibility, and they said, we just don't have the evidence. So, you know, I think that was kind of a remarkable thing for him to say. Well, that was back when people, too, that, but that was before all of the stigmatization really began. That's when they just, for their own security, just didn't want to say what the situation was about, that they were looking into it, whatever the case was. That was before the Robertson panel, probably. Yeah. When you go back far enough, though, I mean, there there have been other leaks. Like, we know of Edward J. Ruppelt. I keep going back to Ruppelt, his book, you know, the classic report on unidentified flying objects. Now, Ruppelt was head of their investigative team that was out looking for UFOs. Like everybody says it was a little tiny office and it didn't have much money, but that guy could go out and requisition an Air Force jet and fly to another base and question pilots in person. Well, I don't know of any UFO investigative agency that can do that in the civilian world right now. None. So as limited as it was, it's still way more than what we've got. Now, he was on the inside and he saw this and he talked to people about this. And he held in his hands a report from 1948 called The Estimate of the Situation. Now, you guys probably know about this, but in his book, this is back when he published it in the 50s, this is exactly what it says. In intelligence, if you have something to say about some vital problem, you write a report that is known as an estimate of the situation. A few days after the DC-3 was buzzed, in this case by UFO in the famous DC-3 case, the people at Attic, the Air Technical Intelligence Center, decided that the time had arrived to make an estimate of the situation. The situation was the UFOs. The estimate was that they're interplanetary. Okay, you've got a guy from the airports who's investigated them, head of their project, who held a classified report that was ordered destroyed, by the way, and is telling us back then that they'd already concluded that they're from off-world. Okay? Like people, they know this. They've known it for decades. They're still just not telling us. 
I'm not willing to go that far. And that report, by the way, that would have been written in, what, 1949, right? And he talked about it uh, in, say, 1956. Uh, it was written in by the people at Project Sign in August of 1948, and then he wrote about it in his 1956 book. Right? right. But I mean, he's a person who like, OK, Corso, I'm not so much like uh, a b- big believer. Ruppelt, I think he's honest. I think he actually held this thing and saw it. And he, we're talking about the best engineers at the time who had ident- who had studied all of their best reports and interviewed the pilots and people who had chased these things in the daylight with their aircraft. In some cases, even one of them fired on one of them. OK, so those people. The top people at the time saying they're not ours. They're from off world. That was then. They already know. Yeah, there there have been people <laughs> within the Air Force that, that definitely considered it and, and some that believed and probably in between. So another thing in the 50s that was interesting, there's a famous 1952 Life magazine article. And that was done with the support of people within the Air Force. And it went towards that extraterrestrial hypothesis. I mean, the whole article, you know, have we been visited from other worlds, this sort of thing. Uh, certainly not everyone in the Air Force was, was happy with that um, promotion. But and, and one, of the, one of the ways they made the investigation of, of UFOs look, look better was to fold in the scientists that had been investigating the green fireball phenomenon. So uh, that, that sort of shored up the shortcomings of, uh, of uh, Project Blue Book, where, where they just had a few uh, consultants like Dr. Heineck and a few other people that were called in as needed. But, you know, the, the Green Fireballs was a quality targeted investigation because it was centered around the nuclear facilities. And that's always been a, a point of interest. And they're very nervous about anything strange happening there. Right. Project Twinkle. Yeah. Right. From back in uh, 19, between 48 and 49, but they ran out of money with that. They had things set up where they could try and track these things, but they, they never really were able to figure out exactly where, what they were, where they were coming from. They just seemed like, well, they were maybe just big meteors. Well, the, the media is, in all the reporting, I mean, there are a lot of things to be concerned about UFOs. Natural security is one of them. But, you know, even the headline of the New York Times story is like basically says, is it aliens? Is it aliens? That's what they're pursuing. That's what they asked uh, Bill Nelson and NASA about. And it's like it's like a weird uh, preoccupation. I mean, you know, it's important, whatever it is. And and even even some of the people like uh, Chris Mellon and, and Lou Elizondo and how put off. That, that are working from this same playbook are considering other possibilities like ultra-terrestrials, a, a, a segment of the human race that developed this technology that's hidden, you know, which almost sounds a little bit like uh, some of the, the Richard Shaver and the Darrow stuff that, you know, it's, it's either maybe it's uh, the remnants of Atlantis. And some of this is pretty outlandish, but, you know, is it more outlandish than space people or another dimension and another one that's been bandied around. And well, you know, Lou Elizondo keeps giving hints about what could be. He doesn't want to say it's extraterrestrial, that it's not. He allows speculation. And I think he encourages it, including in the dimension of uh, in, in the direction of time travel. You know, he's saying that this is generations uh, ahead of our technology. And but you know, he won't say that he's got anything to really show that. And 
the the uh, Christopher Mellon and and Elizondo both are relentlessly referring to the whatever is being seen as um, anomalous aerial vehicles and craft. And in some cases, it probably is, but I don't know that it's 100 percent. And there's probably a spectrum of things being seen, and they're characterizing them all under this UAP label, which may prevent us from really finding a lot about it. It may be a situation where we don't want to confront the implications. More to come with Kurt Jean and Randall. You're in the Paracast. For listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hey listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, the Paracast dot plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out the Paracast dot plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. If you are trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me and we'll never meet. I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 800-296-1252. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Just going to let you guys know that we've been doing some major, major overhaul of the official Paracast shop at the Paracast.shop. Literally speaking, Randall has been up nights and mornings trying to get things together. It's still got some formatting glitches we have to put together. But if you go to the Paracast.shop, you place an order... And you'll get what you ordered. I think you'll like the new look and the new selection. So check it out. That's as far as we're going to go with that. Kurt Collins, 
Joining us to talk about the UFO culture, what's going on with the Pentagon UAP task force, relating this to the past, which is the biggest thing about this UAP task force, it pretends as if all those years of Project Blue Book and all the other research and everything else that's gone on maybe never happened. This is all something new, something different. And maybe to separate the men from the boys or just to get away from the history of the field, but doesn't help us explain what's going on. It doesn't say, we've had this going on for 75 years, whatever, or more, and we can't figure it out. It's hard enough to say for the past 20 years we can't figure it out. But the other issue would be here, we have all this happening now. Will there be a spokesperson who will get up there and talk to the media and answer the questions? Well, what about Roswell? They can still say, well, that was a Project Mogul balloon. It has nothing to do with this. What about all those other sightings over the years? Washington National Airport. What will their excuse be, Kurt Collins? Well, it's, it's interesting that you say that because uh, Luis Elizondo made a point early on when he was interviewed saying that he didn't review UFO history and that he didn't want it to prejudice him and his investigations. Well, over, over time, he's become... A part of the UFO community, he's he's associating with some people that have, that have, have given some, him some information, and you know he's still shaky on UFO history. He said he you know focused purely on the investigations at the time. So in his recent media appearances, he's he's shown documents. One of them was about the green fireballs we mentioned recently. What he's what he's really trying to prove by that is that. There have been reports of things similar to Tic Tacs that go back for years. Well, I think that's kind of a weak point because there's every shape UFO imaginable. And, you know, you can go back and pick, you know, triangles or there's even some that look like uh, tortoise shells and, you know, starfish. Who knows? So he's trying to use that to to, to bolster the, the Nimitz type events and Tic Tacs in particular. So he is finally going back to uh, to dig into UFO history just to support, you know, his mostly what he's, he's packaging there is this threat agenda that it could be a national security issue. And that's that's how they've been able to to get the military and the, the senators interested in this on, on that regard, because, you know, something's being seen. Uh, it's unidentified. What's its intent? And that's that sort of thing. Well, I've strayed from your original question about history, so you'll have to remind me what the, what the focus was there. Well, it's mostly here if they will be having just a report or will a spokesperson actually come out and answer reporters' questions and oh, then be confronted with 10,000 questions about what has gone before. I somehow doubt they'll want to address that. You know, for one thing, there there are so many. Uh, you know, unless there's something really radical that where they want to open saying, "Yeah, well, we were wrong about all those." I just don't. I don't think that's the case. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be a very limited admission, if it's even that. And you were talking about spokespeople. They've really controlled this. Um, now, in 2019, there was a Navy spokesman from uh, Chief of Naval Operations, Joseph Gratisher, and he was answering some questions. Um, that changed, and Susan uh, Goff of the Pentagon, and now it feels all 
uh, UAP questions. You know, any UFO material goes to her, uh, even though Gratisher is probably still involved in this, you know, because he was part of the the, the Navy's UAP investigations. So, um, well, anyway, but before the lid was, b- before uh, before they chose to not let him speak directly, he said some things uh, in, about what they could release. He said that they have not released characterizations or descriptions or any hypothesis or conclusions. And that, um, and I think this is a clue as to what's going to be in the report and why we will see some things and not, not see other things. He, he said that all sources of information pertaining to individual sightings and observations are being considered. Now, let me get down to the particular thing here. The process should involve Department of Defense and Intelligence Community organizations. Any report generated as a result of these investigations will by necessity include classified information on military operations. Therefore, no release of information to the general public is expected. That's what he was saying in 2019. That is before Congress asked for a report. So clearly the Navy does not want to share the information. So there's a conflict there. They've got to come up with something to satisfy the request for the public. But that indicates to me we're really not going to get very much. Well, this sounds like a very politically correct report then. And then we have all the stuff that's surrounding Elizondo and that spokesperson from the Pentagon. I know the Black Vault had a piece about all this where allegedly, allegedly, his emails were disappeared, were erased, and then he goes on to quote something, which I think he misquoted, suggesting that they can't, even if they decide to, delete his emails until seven years after he leaves employment. But what I read is it could be seven years, period. After they were, it could be after they were written. And I don't think that's quite clear. I have to relook at the text. I might be misunderstanding it. But the question here is, if some of Elizondo's emails are being deleted, doesn't he have a copy on his own computer? Or did he just use Pentagon computers? Does he know what was in all those emails? If he has no copy, why would they hide them? Except to say, well... We can't give them to you because of national security concerns. That's yeah. That's uh, that's very interesting. And he's um, when we you know, mentioned earlier his his connection with the UFO community. Well, he's now hired uh, Danny Sheehan, who's been part of uh, the the UFO community. He was a he's a lawyer that's been involved in some high profile non UFO cases. I think. Even the was the Pentagon Papers one of them. I may be wrong about that, but anyway, he's got some some credibility. But he's uh, he's also been involved in some kind of wild UFO stuff on the wild side. Now he's representing Elizondo. They've um, on his behalf. He's uh, filed in a, a complaint against the uh, Inspector General of the Army that that's being investigated by the, the Inspector General and. Uh, it alleges that they ha- that the Pentagon has um, basically engaged in disinformation to damage his uh, to discredit him. 
So that's that's separate from the UAP report. But it's very interesting that there's two different uh, UFO related investigations going on at the same time. And, and one of them is is like, a, you know, an, an ugly family fight. This is like standard issue for the UFO field, though. All these crazy controversies that have come up and they go on for years and years. It kind of muddies the waters, but maybe it's also intended to get Elizondo out of the picture which gives him greater control over the narrative because right now he's no longer in the military and he's clearly at this point a loose cannon and all they need right now the least are loose cannons. We don't have loose cannons here. We are a loose cannon in general. We don't need individual loose cannons. This is the loose cannon. Well, we don't want to get into that. Gene Randall, Kurt, you're in the Paracast. Hey, listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Yes, the pandemic is coming to an end. Restrictions are coming to an end. But body aches and pains never seem to end. That's why you need to click sunny-bay.com for the best sleep you can get. Sunny Bay's legendary products can help, like our lavender stress-reducing products, locally sourced and handmade in the USA. Or try Sunny Bay's award-winning pillows for traveling or extra neck support while sleeping. No need for pills or expensive chiropractic visits. Our neck support pillows are that good. Sunny Bay is a homegrown small business, but our products are designed and rigorously tested based on your demand and feedback. And they make great gifts for mom, dad, or anyone. Find Sunny Bay products on Amazon, Walmart, Etsy, or at sunny-bay.com. And right now, get free heat patches and a belt with any purchase. So remember, Sunny Bay heating pads, neck pillows, and stress-relieving hot or cold wraps as restrictions come to an end and you get back to work. Do it the healthy way with Sunny Bay. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right. We cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. 
The old way of living with diabetes is a pain. You've got to remember to do your testing, and you always need to be sticking your fingers. The new way to live your life with diabetes is with a continuous glucose monitor. You simply apply a discreet, easy-to-use sensor on your body, and it continuously monitors your glucose levels, helping you spend more time in range and freeing you from painful finger pricks. If you test your blood sugar at least four times per day and inject insulin at least three times per day or use an insulin pump and have private insurance or medical care, you might be eligible for a CGM with little or no cost to you. Call U.S. Medical Supply today for a free benefits check. We offer free shipping, 90-day supplies, and we bill Medicare or your insurance directly. Call now and say goodbye to finger pricks. 800-880-1896. 800-880-1896. 800-880-1896. That's 800-880-1896. Do the letters IRS give you anxiety? I'm Dan Pilla. I've defended people from the IRS for more than 40 years. My book, How to Get Tax Amnesty, created the tax resolution industry and is responsible for helping hundreds of thousands of people. It can help you, too. If you're a non-filer or facing IRS enforcement right now, your case is unique. You need real help, not cookie-cutter advice. My clients get my personal attention. Buy my book at danpilla.com and get a free consultation directly with me. That's danpilla.com. Let's start solving your tax problem right now. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So this is the Loose Cannon Paranormal Show. Randall, go on, please. Hey, Kurt, this is like, you know, I'm just checking out your website here at Blue Blurry Lines, which it's really great to see that you've been keeping this up. How long have you been doing Blue Blurry Lines now? Uh, let's see. I think the first entry was either 2011 or 2012. So there's an anniversary coming up. Oh, that's pretty cool. It, it's like a really great great blog here with with some stuff. I see now you've got this story we've been talking about is featured right on your your main page here. I hope you don't mind me asking. Uh, It was written by a a fellow named Roger Glassell. Now, is that someone that you know, or where did you pick up, or or, or how did you get on to this particular writer? Well, you know, I met him via a, a UFO Facebook group. I'm sure it was UFO Updates. And we, um, have corresponded. Uh, Roger was also a member of the uh, Roswell Slides group, and we were able to to show that that was not a picture of an alien that had crashed at Roswell. It was a it was a, a a mummified Indian child. So that was something that that we'd worked on, and and he has a I forget his exact military uh, background but he's now working in information technology I, I know he has some experience with with radar and things but he's been, he's uh, he lives in Sweden so it's important to know that he does speak English although he's not comfortable with, with the radio interview or anything so he has been uh, writing about the topic uh, of the Pentagon story for a Swedish uh, magazine and I would below the title but basically you know ufo news oh, UFO it's fine. Update. if there's some other good people out there that are into this it's, it's fine to mention them here on the show i mean we we send shout outs to people like the guys over at the debrief uh and 
other shows all the time. Erica Luke's like networking with people in the system. So yeah, hey, it's okay. Well, you know, I've, co- I've collaborated with Roger on a lot of projects, and he has written. I've, I've given him a format when he has a, a an article. Especially, he has he has had a great success record with getting uh, new and. Um, uh, on, on previously unreleased information from the Pentagon with, through Susan Gow and before her, her uh, princess or uh, Major Harris. And so I let him do a, an article to frame the in- information. And we've co-written some pieces, especially the ones concerning the um, Robert Bigelow's involvement on the OSAP contract, which was the predecessor of ATIP. So, so that's, well, that's tell, tell Roger's background. Tell us a little background. bit more about that. Uh, let's, let's get into that a little bit here, uh, because uh, what you do on Blue Blurry Lines is you kind of dig into the stuff that's a little bit more behind the scenes than everybody else. And it, it's one of the reasons that, uh, you know, I really like this particular publication that you got going here. So let's go back a little bit and just talk about that. Okay, well, so one one of the things that the original New York Times story did was they didn't give a really good definition of what ATIP was. They, they briefly mentioned Robert Bigelow and Harry Reid. Well, Harry Reid was, he became friends with Robert Bigelow. They're both Las Vegas uh, citizens. And of course, uh, Bigelow was a hotel uh, billionaire who had developed a, uh, an aerospace company. And he was making these inflatable capsules for space flight and had a contract with NASA. So, you know, he's well connected. Harry Reid arranged somehow there's different versions of the story or different interpretations, but, well, I need to back up and say Robert Bigelow, he's been interested in the UFO field for quite a while. He had the National Institute for Discovery Science, which which had was was like a huge talent pool of of um, scientists interested in, in the UFO topic. And um, they he also bought this uh, Skinwalker Ranch in Utah. And uh, I'm sure the listeners, most of you will know about the the alleged paranormal events there, and some of which are somewhat UFO related. Well, uh, it was partly because of this ranch that, that um, uh, Harry Reid was interested. And supposedly a uh, government person who wound up becoming the um, director of the contract for the predecessor to ATIP, it's called Advanced Aerospace Weapons. I forget now something program, but it had weapons in the name, and that's kind of interesting. So, what they what they did was they wanted to study this this topic, uh, the the ranch and paranormal and UFO things, under the guise of a military study on aerospace future technologies and Bigelow was the sole bidder for the contract uh, and it was originally I think I think 10 million in the first round and, and 12 in the second for a total of 22 million and it only ran for about about two years with funding I think kind of continued without funding that was officially started in 2008 although the paperwork and such was in 2007 and Elizondo came on later. He said he wasn't really part of this generation of it, and it refocused as a tip to uh, strictly UFOs. Um, and so, well, before I go any further with that, did you, did you want to focus on any any aspect of that? 
Well, we could back up just a tiny little bit here because um, when we were talking, when you were talking about the OSAP, that was the uh, Advanced Aerospace Weapons Systems Application Program. Okay, so. Uh, for people out there listening, no, I don't have an identic memory. I just decided I would look that up really quickly. And it turns out that this program, ATIP, was underneath the umbrella of that program. So the OSAP program was a larger program, and this ATIP program was a subsection of that program. And it's kind of confusing to use that word program because the OSAP in particular was a contract and Robert Bigelow hired, um, he put together a team. Uh, he also had a contract with, with MUFON and had them go out and um, do field investigations and report to him. He was funding them, and that was one aspect of it. Another one was he contracted them. The, the OSAP study called for technical reports on certain topics, lift, propulsion, and I forget what other things, but you know some of them were sort of exotic sounding. And the original plan was to have a MUFON people write that, and they did write five or six papers, and that part was kept secret. That wasn't in the New York Times or anything else, and Roger, uh, Roger's reporting revealed that, and we, we even talked to, to one of the authors of the reports in, in our article. But they were not really as scientific as the program was asking for. So um, Bigelow's people, you know, Colm Keller, who was the who co-authored the uh, the uh, Skinwalker book, he was the director of I think the science function of of Bigelow's project. He um, was working with with Mufon. He and um, Hal Putoff, Hal Putoff, I think, was actually subcontracted. He wrote one, at least one of the reports himself. They eventually did 38 reports, maybe 39, on, on these topics. We have okay. surely got to break, and then we'll have more with Kurt Jean and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions, silverlungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs Generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs Generator and Lung Delivery System at silverlungs.com. That's silverlungs.com. We've all seen and perhaps use the alcohol-based hand sanitizers. Have you noticed how it dries your skin, and as soon as the alcohol evaporates, it's no longer effective? GCNteam.com has alcohol-free antibacterial soap and foam meeting or exceeding all requirements set forth by the United States Food and Drug Administration. Come to GCNteam.com. Keyword antibacterial, or call 877-878-4203. USA Radio News with Dan Naraki. A record-setting heat wave continued to bake the southwest on Saturday with several areas close to setting new records. Phoenix did set a record with five consecutive days at 115 degrees and over and is forecast to make it six. 
The heat also spurring on a wildfire north of Phoenix. That fire has expanded to more than 25 square miles, forcing evacuations in the towns of Strawberry and Pine. Multiple excessive heat warnings remain in effect in the area through Sunday. And a driver crashed into spectators at a South Florida Pride Parade, killing one and seriously injuring another. The incident happened Saturday evening at the beginning of the Wilton Manor's Stonewall Pride Parade in Fort Lauderdale. The driver reportedly joined the parade, accelerating into the crowd when it was his turn to go. The driver was taken into custody. This is USA Radio News. More than 50 House Republicans have sent a letter to the White House asking President Biden to remove Vice President Kamala Harris from her role in leading the effort to solve the border crisis. In the letter, the group cites the high number of border apprehensions and the fact that she's not yet visited the border or met with Border Patrol or ICE agents. In recent interviews, Harris has said that she will visit the border at some point. But Representative Yvette Harrell says that her absence on the border is a dereliction of duty. The New Mexico Republican is a signee of that letter and tells Fox News that Harris needs to go to the border in order to fully understand the issue. To not see it firsthand and understand what kind of serious issue this is for our communities, our law enforcement, border patrol, it just doesn't make sense. And I think it's a dereliction of her duty as borders are to not want to be down here and understand this issue and do something about it and work with us across the aisle to fix the crisis at the border. You're listening to USA Radio News. We are GCN, the Genesis Communications Network. We've got listeners, lots of them. Around the world, around the clock, our listeners do what listeners do. They listen. And you know what listeners got? Needs. Needs for your products, your services, and money to buy those needs. With our network of over 1,000 radio stations, streaming on the web, and our satellite transmissions, we're reaching our listeners with quality conservative programming. But there's something our listeners don't have. Your offer to meet their needs. Any business needs buyers. But if our listeners don't hear your message, they're still going to buy what they need. Just not from your business. So let's fix this. Tell us about your business. Then let our super creative department go to work to craft just the right message for our GCN listeners. Get started today with GCN, the Genesis Communications Network. Just shoot us an email, advertise at GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So let's continue with the next part of what Kurt was about to tell us. Well, the technical reports, now this is interesting because before before the, the, the Senate gave the study, I mean, this uh, the order for the UAP, UAP report, they asked the Defense Intelligence Agency, give us all the products from ATIP. And the response was a list of these studies, as if this is the only thing that OSAP ATIP ever did. Within these studies, one of them was written by Eric Davis, one was written by Kit Green, and these are all names that would be familiar to, to, to uh, UFO buffs. Uh, there were also others that would not be familiar, names that would not be familiar, such as I was just some physicists and well, just some physicists. physicists but, um, just a few physicists. We'll just phone them up. We'll invite yeah. them over a few drinks. 
So we had, to, I don't know if, you, if you've got the, the topics handy there, Randall, but there were things like warp drive and human interface between man and machine. And, you know, most of this stuff, you know, there, there was only one report, and that was Dr. Kit Green's that, and we've seen a draft of it, not the final version. It mentions some UFO material, but none of the others that we know of do. It's all about aerospace stuff. So was this camouflage for the military contract? Was this UFO war? But we know that there was there was this other other aspect of it. There was the MUFON work, which was casework. And one thing Tim McMillan discovered in his uh, investigation was that, uh, and and this is being passed around but not shown. I mean, Leslie Kane has this, and other people that reported on it is this vast ten month report. And it's like a 500-page book with contributors like Jacques Vallée, and he was part of this program, and John Schusler and others. It, it talks about all sorts of UFO cases, and it kind of repeats UFO history. And we really haven't seen a good enough sample from it to know if it's, it's useful, but apparently it wasn't because the contract was canceled. So the military, whatever they actually asked for, they weren't satisfied or didn't feel like it was worth continuing based on the material Bigelow provided. This is kind of interesting because it gets it gets into the maze of really who is looking at what where. Maybe you can help me fill in a couple of those blanks here because I, I haven't really been able to pinpoint exactly what I'd like to know. And that is when these plain-closed guys are able to fly into basically a military zone and land on a military ship and requisition the all of the data tapes and, and records that are coming off it about this TikTok event and then just fly off again. And it's like, where did they come from and where did they go? Nobody has been able to answer that question. We only know that somehow this time at least – the records came out again. We've heard about it for years that people, oh, I got footage. I got it on. These guys showed up. They took it. And that's the last we heard of it. This is the first time I've ever seen any of it actually come back out again. So we had the DIA. And then it went to this OSAP thing. And then it went down to this ATIP thing. Somewhere in between the DIA and the OSAP thing is some department of the of the military somewhere. Now, I think the Navy was weren't they the ones who were primarily above that like between the dia and and osap or or do we know exactly well not really i think they coordinated with it but the navy launched a separate investigation in a recent statement the the uh the pentagon spokesperson uh goff said in no uncertain terms the UAP task force was not a tip. It's not a, con- a UAP task force is not a continuation of it. You know, they were separate entities. And the, the new the new effort stems out of chiefly out of what the, what the Navy was doing. That, that raises a lot of questions. One is, if a tip had nothing, why is Elizondo so adamant that they have this quality video and sensor data? You know, of course, he can't show it to us, so we don't know. I mean, is is he overstating this to keep the issue alive? We just can't be sure. Uh, and it's also what we have to assume that there was some investigation before that. If the if the government had all the answers, 
there would never be the need for something like OSAP or ATIP. So it's just the we have we have a few puzzle pieces. They don't fit together, and it's there's got to be something larger going on. John Alexander used to give some some pretty interesting. Uh, information on what the government knew, how involved they were, and how you know people don't understand how the government works and how we make a lot of false assumptions on it. But in his book, which came out in 2011, just as as ATIP was was the funding was winding down, he said that there was no current investigation of of UFOs, and yet he's closely associated with associated with Robert Bigelow and all the other people who were part of this this contract. Uh, now, he had also said at some other point that if there was classified data, he wouldn't share it. But it seemed like he pretty much told a fib there the outright. He did just say that he didn't know of one or, you know, he, he said there wasn't one. And he was pretty clear about it. <laughs> now, I should tell you here, I kind of sort of thought that when Harry Reid worked with two other senators to set this thing up for the original study, that they funneled it on to Bigelow because Bigelow was one of Reid's contributors and a buddy, doing a favor for his buddy, because $22 million, the figure involved, or the one at least disclosed, in government parlance is nothing. It's toilet, it's toilet seats. Right. So well, even at that point, mentioned. I think people need to realize this was a tiny program that he, they did as a favor. Oh, and then it continued after the money ran out. And so how can we really call ATIP a program when it was uh, it was actually uh, Lou Elizondo doing this in his spare time without resources? And it was basically a um, telephone and email network. I mean, this wasn't like a team of, you know, if you picture like NASA control room with all these people sitting in computers and things. This was this is more like, you know, picture it more like the. The, the basement office of the X-Files with one or two people that are, you know, scrambling through folders and, and, and go and, and we don't even know for sure if there were active investigations. Um, the only documented um, investigation that we know of came very late. Uh, and that was in, in uh, August of 2017, where uh, Elizondo was investigating the Nimitz witnesses. And this was months weeks or maybe even a month before uh, he uh, left to join to the stars. And that looks suspiciously like he was gathering some UFO evidence as he was leaving the door to be able to use for to the stars in his new career. So uh, they're, they're really, of course, we, we hear that the, the documents with his emails and such have been destroyed, but there, there should be, Far more material. The only thing, the only other thing I'm aware of, I, when I said it was the only thing, there is one other thing. There was a uh, uh, copies of a slide presentation 
from the ATIP days. And I don't know if, if Elizondo was the author of that, but that, that does date to the period where he would be associated. And it shows some of the mission. It looks like it was a briefing for executives or possibly even senators. And, you know, it, but it's, it's all general about the aerospace and things. There were a few exotic things about, about using, oh, like energy signatures to mimic things for deceptive purposes. Uh, but there's nothing that direct about UFOs in it. You know, it, it is, it's, it's as sort of disconnected as those technical reports I mentioned. We've got more to mention. And we will on our next segment with Gene and Randall and Kurt in The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Join me, George Norrie, for the Worldwide Contact in the Desert Virtual UFO Conference, June 25th to June 28th. Contact in the Desert is an epic weekend of adventure jam-packed with exciting explorations into UFOs, ancient civilizations, AI, crop circles, forbidden archaeology, disclosure, and the newest evidence of ongoing contact, sightings, and leading-edge science. This amazing weekend delivers more than 130 presentations and special events showcasing 67 speakers from all over the world with two extra weeks to view your favorite leading experts, including Avi Loeb with Clyde Lewis, Linda Moulton Howe, Paul Hellyer, John Lear, Russell Targ, David Childress, Doc Wallach, and more. With breaking articles in the New York Times and acknowledged naval sightings, and more importantly, the new release of classified documents on the day of the soft opening of Contact in the Desert, we are your source for inside information. Join us June 25th at contactinthedesert.com to get your tickets today. Make contact, contactinthedesert.com. We have all seen and perhaps used the alcohol-based hand sanitizers. Have you ever noticed how it dries your skin and as soon as the alcohol evaporates, it's no longer effective? With bacteria and virus problems, sanitizers and hand washing are the first line of defense against infectious disease. GCNteam.com has alcohol-free antibacterial soap and foam meeting or exceeding all requirements as set forth by the United States Food and Drug Administration as a first aid antiseptic. When it comes to sanitizers, it only makes sense that it lasts till the next application and doesn't dry and crack your skin, inviting infection. For long-lasting alcohol-free sanitizing, come to GCNteam.com keyword antibacterial. That's GCNteam.com, antibacterial, or call 877-878-4203. 
877-878-4203. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. This is Robert Hastings, author of UFOs and Nukes, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Let's get back to Lou Elizondo and continue this for a moment. This is interesting. Of course, he worked for the To The Stars Academy, but apparently he's no longer there. He's a lone wolf with his own sight. He has an address there that you write if you want him to make a media appearance. Obviously, he's being seen everywhere, and he's making his presence known, making a big deal about the case of the missing emails and everything else. But that helps support him. What does he bring to the table anymore, except repeating the same little subset of stuff? There are people that are beginning to uh, compare him to uh, Nick Pope, a, a former insider to some degree that is becoming a more of a commentator he does seem to be transitioning into that role and he is he has made oh it's unbelievable amount of media appearances i don't and he does have fans i don't know how they could keep up with them all well the thing i wonder here about too is at what point do you get tired of it not that we haven't approached him with possibly coming on the powercast i know he's been to our forums and poked around for a while when this stuff first came out in 2017 and 2018. The question here is, when will we get to the next trick? What more does he have to tell us, if anything? Oh, he, I mentioned earlier about how he, how he, how he seems to, to tease a lot of things. He, um, in one interview recently, he, was, he talked about there's, you know, and he ref- he is so cautious when he refers to things. But he was talking around the issue of UFO crashes and speaking in terms of like exotic materials recovered. You know, that's that's the kind of language he was using. And he said that there's reason to believe that there is something even before Roswell. And then in a subsequent interview, he dropped more of a clue about it. And it was it was a, a case that's been investigated in Italy where allegedly documents from Mussolini show that there was a saucer like craft that that had crashed and pieces of it were recovered. And this would have been I think it was 19. I can't remember if it was 39 or 41. But what in any case, that era and certainly several years before Roswell. And I, I got the feeling that that was 
probably not the most solid information. I, I don't want to say that it was a hoax, but it, it just it's one of these things that I wouldn't I wouldn't rest my reputation on it. You know, there are other things that are more recent that are more solid than something that that's this distant and ancient. And I think it's probably, you know, no better than hearsay. And it's good that he is eventually, you know, has finally come to look at UFO history. But I think he needs to f- to focus on the very most credible material. But, yeah, so what else has, has he got? I think his bag of tricks is is pretty empty unless uh, and and he's used this excuse so often that he's bound by NDA and and so forth. Now now that there's there's litigation against the uh, his former employer the the at the Pentagon, I don't know if that means we'll see more or even less. I mean, you can say, well, I can't show this now because this needs evidence in my in my trial. So, I, you know, and and if this was. You know, if we want to be cynical, it, this could be a publicity stunt. I mean, it gives him sort of some additional uh, additional press. The you know, David versus Goliath prevents him from sharing any more information. And I just don't know. I mean, there there are people that regard him as the as as a great patriot and and whistleblower, but he's really not said that much. <laughs> That's the point I'm making here. It sounds to me that until this UAP thing came aboard, he was just a journeyman intelligence person, middle-level management. Suddenly he's thrust into the spotlight, clearly looking for a way to take advantage of it, which is fine, you know, no problem with a guy making a living. And is this something where he can go on and take this somewhere? But the question would be then, does he know enough about what's going on in the background in the field to grab on to interesting information? Assuming here that he doesn't have any more to present. Certainly, if his security clearances allowed him a certain level of access, I suspect he'd hinted something more. And he's really not. The the one thing that we keep being um, reminded about is the the recovered materials, the meta materials. You know, for one, at one point, that was that was the big, the big focus. People want to know, and of course, if you say something like that, you are handing at UFO crash materials, and that's what people directly asked about, and that we get evasive answers. Now, there was a teaser before the unidentified show on history. There was a, there was a segment on the the uh, to the stars. Uh, channel on YouTube, and I think it's still there. It, just, it was never used as part of the show, and that, that has Elizondo and an SUV de- delivering some materials and report to uh, Hal Putoff's office uh, with Eric Davis in Austin, Texas, and, and they, they, they show the show him arriving and they're calling over the radio or something and, you know, like a code word, you know, like a military operation. And it was all dramatic and they show him unveiling the material and everything. And they, uh, but then nothing, nothing came of it really. So, uh, and from what we know of it, some of the things are, are, uh, Tom DeLong bought um, the old arts parts. That was a famous, um, 
supposed UFO re- recovered material that that had no chain of custody or provenance, and that that's so often the case with this material. Someone comes up with something weird and says it's from a UFO crash. And it's claimed in an analysis that it dis- displays these unusual pro- properties. But the way they've gone about it, I mean, it's it's been more show business than scientific investigation. And now maybe he's out of this. I mean, he said he left it in part because it was an entertainment company. But he's still doing entertainment-like things. So I just don't know what to make of that. Well, maybe they're not paying him enough money. Maybe it was part of that. The question here is... To the Stars Academy had done basically nothing except for this flurry of publicity. Well, that's exactly right. They um, now supposedly behind the scenes, Chris Mellon, uh, with his background, after he was um, now forgotten his his role, but uh, he he was also working with the Senate Intelligence Committee. It was his most recent government job, so he knows these people, how they communicate and everything. He uh, recently tweeted that this recent success came from his two years of lobbying them. And so that's one of the reasons I think when you hear these these politicians speaking, when, when, when they talk about it, that they're, the things they say are so similar to the things that he said in, in the press, you know, that you know, accentuate the national security and the fact that we need to find out what these things are. I mean, it, it, it does seem like it's the same script. So so Chris Mellon is is an interesting figure. And so he was part of a, an effort called UFO Data, which I'm uh, Randall, are you familiar with UFO Data at all? Uh, the UFO Data Acquisition Project. Leslie Kane's part of it. Uh, sure. Chris Mellon. We, right. We had Leslie Kane on. We had some of the UFO data people on. Apparently, Chris yeah. O'Brien is working with them, too. So we've covered it. Yeah. So that effort um, was launched in 2016. And I think that is if you uh, or maybe it was 15 and then, then late in that year was when Chris Mellon's name where he joined us on the board there. Uh, he was interviewed by Leslie Kane for on the Huffington Post, and she asked him a lot of questions. He said he he was unaware of ATIP at the time. Uh, he became aware of it only after meeting Lou Elizondo in uh, either late 2016 or early 2017 before they joined to the stars. Anyway, she asked him a number of questions about government, the government involvement. He said he didn't think there was an active investigation or a government cover-up, and he thought that it would be fruitless to, for us to expect the government to disclose anything. And it is just so different from his current point of view. You know, he was basically saying that it was, you know, a, the UFO data and efforts like that from civilians was the way to go and, and not trying to get blood out of the stone of the, the government. And that's my characterization, not his words. So uh, and now since his efforts with To the Stars, which was, you know, just just a, a year or so later from that interview, there's a complete uh, change in the focus and, and attitude. We've got to have another change in focus here. More to come with Kurt, Gene, and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. 
Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. For over 20 years, Extendivite has been helping people. Here is a testimonial from Amazon.com. Glad I found this product. I am 51 years old and started getting headaches a couple of times a week. I went to the doctor and my blood pressure was a little high at around 150 over 95. I found out about Extendivite and I ordered some to try it. Immediately, I felt better and it lowered my blood pressure and my headaches went away almost instant. I have been taking it now for about four months, and I am so glad I found this product. You won't be disappointed. Extendivite is only $69.95 for a two-month supply. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. That's H-E-A-R-T-D-R-O-P.com. Extend your life with Extendivite. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Kurt Collins will be sticking with us for After the Paracast, which is available only to subscribers to the Paracast Plus for quick sign-up. I mean, 30 seconds you can sign up. Go to the Paracast.plus if it takes 60 seconds don't sue me. Anyway, Kurt, let's continue on this. Yeah, Chris Mellon maybe was looking for some outside employment there. I mean, what jobs does a former deputy secretary of defense get in the civilian world? Does he become a consultant, a writer? What does he do, a TV commentator? Oh, you know, I wouldn't want to speculate on that. So so Chris Mellon, um, Chris Mellon left how put off left to the stars. He, he's, he's off the board, but remains a science consultant. Uh, Lou Elizondo, according to the to the stars, SEC disclosure was laid off. That's the terminology they used. Since then, uh, Elizondo, who rarely spoke to the press, and usually it was someone like, um, oh, um, the Coast to Coast show, something like that. He has been everywhere, and so has... Uh, Chris Mellon, to a lesser extent, as it's comparable to a press campaign for a movie or a book. They are everywhere. They're talking about the product. The particular product is uh, UAPs uh, and this, this, their threat narrative, as I call it. 
uh, it's it's very interesting. I mean, there's they they have a goal in mind, and maybe it is commercial or a position with the government or something like that. One thing I want to talk about before we run out of time is we we mentioned before about that some of these things had have happened before, and I think this wave of publicity is unprecedented except for in the 1960s everyone knows about the uh, the ufo flap then and the uh, the swamp gas fiasco but i mean there were wall-to-wall coverage of uf the ufo topic on major newspapers and television shows there was a cbs special on it and the uh, some of the politicians were behind it Gerald Ford, um, Representative Gerald Ford, who later became president through an interesting series of happenstance, he was representing his constituents. He wanted UFO information. There was a um, UFO hearing in Congress, and several prominent ufologists were part of that, gave testimony. And Dr. J. Allen Hynek called for a civilian panel to evaluate the UFO evidence. Well, that eventually happened. Unfortunately, it was the University of Colorado project led by Edward Condon. During that time, the Air Force, they were they felt like they were stuck with a terrible problem for as far as public relations because they constantly were being accused of covering up UFO information. They wanted out of the business. And I think most people will say the fix was in. And the Condon committee in their final conclusions there. Now, some of the reports are interesting, and some of the casework they did was great. However, they their conclusion was further extensive of UFOs probably cannot be justified. They said that the study to date had added, had not added to scientific knowledge. So we had a really good shot at something before due to the, the attitudes then it was shot down. It didn't kill ufology, but it kind of it it really put the hurt on the scientific credibility of it because the scientists will say, "Well, here's a report by scientists." It was it was an excuse not to examine the evidence, and you know I I think we risk having history re- replayed, and I don't know who's you know how if there's anything that we can do, but you know we can at least be prepared for that and see that. It doesn't go dark. You know, we can support independent researchers uh, and all this publicity can help. Um, you know, we can at least appeal to the scientific community to to continue. And I don't think there necessarily has to be a UFO focused story uh, study. It could be part of existing science disciplines. They just need to open their eyes to these things, particularly the ones that deal with the uh, atmospheric issues and, you know, astronomers being aware of, of things and, and along those lines. So, I mean, ufology is not going to die, but, and I think it could still prosper even if this report is negative um, just by, well, probably some advocacy on the individual level. Well, one thing they could be doing with this is to put people to sleep. The report is noncommittal. We can't prove it's alien spaceships. We can't prove it's not. We don't know what they are. And we'll have another status report. And the assumption here is the coverage of status report number two, assuming it comes in six months, will be less than the coverage of status report number one. The assumption is that once this leaves the news cycle, that's it, except for 
the crazies still left. But that doesn't explain the buildup. It doesn't explain these consistent statements from Mellon, from John Podesta, from two former heads of the CIA, Brennan and Woolsey, Senator Rubio, former DNI Radcliffe, former Senator Bill Nelson at NASA. It doesn't explain them all reading from the same script. It could still be, however, a gradual disclosure. Give everybody information in baby steps. A little bit now, a little bit a few months from now. So by the time we reach the end of this cycle, whenever it is, we'll know a lot more about what's going on. It could be off-world, it could be whatever, but it would be more accepted because it's done in such a low-key fashion. It's not going to be the president, whoever you believe the president to be. It will not be the president getting up there and saying E.T. is among us. It'll be done with such weasel words that if that's the ultimate intent, people will not really see it, except maybe 10 years from now. Well, that's just it, isn't it? It's the weasel wording, and they've been doing that all along. They've been doing that since the Robertson panel. I mean, this is an exact Robertson panel script, right, where it's let's build it all up for the public, create this interest, and create all the excitement, and then release the report where it deflates everybody so that everybody just kind of goes away and goes, oh, I don't want to waste my time being involved with that again. It just, it smells like that's what it is. And, you know, if it's not, I'm going to be really surprised. Well, the, all this focus, you know, I mentioned this earlier about how the media is, is, and even some of the politicians, when they're asked about extraterrestrial, they acknowledge that as a possibility and say, we need to find out. But, you know, is the public, though, if this were somehow like some undiscovered aspect of science, like some sort of weird electric animal that, that has duplicated, you know, this, the, the kind of flight performance we've heard about, if it was that, and it's not alien. I mean, we would still be curious for a while, but a lot of people would just say, oh, it's not what I've been expecting. And and, and so if there's anything, any answer that it, besides alien, it, it's going to turn off a lot of the audience, if you want to call them that. Even if it's an alien answer, it's not going to happen the way Stephen Bassett expects. No. And, and I don't think that I don't. Do you want the government to decide policy on reality if it really is? You know, are they the ones to tell us? I mean, I would think, hope that some independent scientists would, would come up with some conclusive evidence. You know, I, I, there are a lot of people that wouldn't believe the government if they came out and said that, you know, without good evidence. If it was based on especially the, the kind of thing we know they have already, which is, you know, these inconclusive videos and uh, pilot testimony, radar that's imperfect. You know, it's it's certainly interesting, but it's not it's not solid. We, I mean, we need something like, you know, when you. You know, when there's a murder, we know people kill each other. There are car crashes and all these things. So witness testimony in that regard, it's like, well, it's it's based on things that are proven. But witness testimony about this is like, well, you know, we can regard it as credible, but we have to have something. You can't put it in a science textbook until we have something to examine. Let's examine these folks. 
Kurt, Gene, and Randall, you're in the Paracast. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Join me, George Norrie, for the Worldwide Contact in the Desert Virtual UFO Conference, June 25th to June 28th. Contact in the Desert is an epic weekend of adventure jam-packed with exciting explorations into UFOs, ancient civilizations, AI, crop circles, forbidden archaeology, disclosure, and the newest evidence of ongoing contact, sightings, and leading-edge science. This amazing weekend delivers more than 130 presentations and special events showcasing 67 speakers from all over the world with two extra weeks to view your favorite leading experts, including Avi Loeb with Clyde Lewis, Linda Moulton Howe, Paul Hellyer, John Lear, Russell Targ, David Childress, Doc Wallach, and more. With breaking articles in the New York Times and acknowledged naval sightings, and more importantly, the new release of classified documents on the day of the soft opening of Contact in the Desert, we are your source for inside information. Join us June 25th at contactinthedesert.com to get your tickets today. Make contact, contactinthedesert.com. Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the Mineral Doctor. You've heard me talk about 90 for Life for years. 60 minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, 2 fatty acids. You may not know this, that I've actually designed Arthur decks for animals. That's right. Your pets need 90 for Life, too. Get this essential pet product by calling 877-279-9422. That's 877-279-9422. Again, 877-279-9422. If you feel America is facing more dangers than ever, you're right. Things are falling apart, it seems, every day. That's why you need to prepare for more of the unexpected, especially food shortages. When people panic, grocery stores run out of food fast. Would you survive without food for days, weeks, even months? The smart folks are buying emergency food now. Take a moment to shop MyPatriotSupply.com. We're America's leader in preparedness. With over a dozen years' experience, My Patriot Supply has earned over 40,000 four-star and five-star reviews. Our delicious, calorie-rich food averages 2,000 calories per day and lasts in storage up to 25 years, so it's there when you need it. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com, order a kit or two, and we'll ship quickly and discreetly to your door. Don't wait for something bad to happen again. Rather, be more self-reliant and prepared. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. 
Join me, George Norrie, for Contact in the Desert Worldwide Virtual UFO Conference, June 25th to the 28th. Contact in the Desert will be an epic weekend of exploration into UFOs, ancient alien civilizations, consciousness, AI, crop circles, and cutting-edge science. More than 130 presentations, 67 speakers, and two extra weeks to view our extraordinary lineup. Get your tickets today at contactinthedesert.com. It's time to make contact. Contactinthedesert.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. But that, Kurt Collins, returns us to what we were talking about before. What constitutes that evidence? If they say there's no proof of ET origin, It would have to be some kind of physical, irrefutable evidence, not people seeing things and not instrumentation recording things that seem to move in ways that we can't duplicate. Right. And just like back at the beginning of the show, there's no proof I'm unemployed either. Right. So, I mean, like, come on. Uh, Well, the thing is also there's no proof of what they know or care about with UFOs. It may be after all these suspicions of hidden UFO investigations that their final answer was the Indiana Jones Raiders of the Lost Ark answer, which is to stick it in Warehouse 13, stick it under the rug, forget about it. We can't confront this. We don't know what's going on. We don't have a final answer. Let's just, you know, let sleeping dogs lie. We don't want to get involved unless we have to kicking and screaming. And maybe the report in the New York Times in 2017, maybe the efforts of UFO believer Senator Harry Reid, former Senator Reid, force the issue. If Senator Reid hadn't been a UFO person, and we're sure he believes he's an ET guy, that's pretty well confirmed. If he wasn't involved being a powerful senator, the Senate Majority Leader at the time, none of this would have come up. The New York Times story wouldn't have come up. If this hadn't happened, the follow-up wouldn't have occurred. They were forced kicking and screaming to do something. That's right. The involvement of politicians and government is what is what got this into the news. And what's kept it in the news is the um, this uh, threat scenario, because once the military has gotten cornered with, you know, explain what this is. And I don't know how they're going to get out of it. Project Blue Book, it took them 20 years to get out of it. And, you know, now that it chiefly the Navy is involved and, you know, the Pentagon is, is just kind of broadly seen as the caretaker now of the, the UFO problem. I don't I don't know how they can resolve it, because I think there's just I think it's going to continue to be a lot of unanswered questions. I mean, unless they get, you know, something that's uncontested, you know, an actual spacecraft to examine. You know, I think that's the evidence The 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 at the very least biological material. You know, technological samples, something like that. The you know the metamaterials with things that where they show rare combinations. I don't think that's enough. I think it's got to be, it's got to be something more solid. So yeah, it's got to be something designed. It's like it's not enough to just see a bunch of like unusual combinations of elements stuck together in a piece of, you know, in a lump of something. Imagine if, say, for example, 
you know, somebody smashed a, an integrated circuit like a, a motherboard chip, like a CPU processor, and then, you know, handed you a piece of that, well, you, it'd be like, well, I don't know what this is. But when you looked at it closer, you could tell that this was manufactured. It's not, not, it's not just a collection of, of bits and pieces of elements. It's designed. That's what we need. That level of evidence, of material evidence. The problem here is if we're dealing with an extraterrestrial race that is hundreds or thousands of years ahead of us, the products of their technology may be literally unrecognizable. To us, it could just be a a spaceship with no obvious propulsion system. It could just be a circular craft. You can go into it. Maybe you can open the doors. But there may not be buttons even. There may be nothing there that you can physically say, this represents technology, even though I I see the technology. You don't see what it's made up of. You don't see the parts. It may be controlled mentally. It flies because somebody says, Siri, take off and take me to Mars. You mean or like the equivalent contact. or the equivalent at Proxima Centauri 3 of Siri. Sorry, Proxima like, Centauri had that disaster, so it's not them. Well, th- that's where I was going with the other thing. Okay, like, okay, Gene, like, there's, um, and, and Curtis, like, you, I, I, I'd like to get your opinion on this, too, because Gene and I go back and forth on this quite a bit where gene will bring up this idea that well it could be so far ahead of ourselves that there's no way that we could possibly understand what it could be and and then i go yeah but wait a minute our own technology now when i just was mentioning uh like cpu chips we're down to the point now where we can actually rearrange individual atoms and take pictures of them you don't get any smaller than that we assume you don't get any smaller than that no, it's not like that, Gene. Not if you, if there's anything that we know about the material universe. Yeah, if we want to go outside our universe, right? But if anything comes into ours, if we have a piece of something, we can literally look down inside of atoms now. So we can tell. We know. There's no, there's, they can't hide it from us anymore if it's some kind of material thing. Now, if it's mental, well, then we're into channelers and all of the rest of it. Then we might as well forget nuts and bolts craft altogether. But if we're talking materials like the scientists want, we can see it now. We can go there. We can tell what it is, and we can literally map it out from the molecular level, actually from the atomic level all the way up now. They can't hide it from us anymore. Or am I wrong? What do you think, Kurt? Uh, well, well, let's just just say, I, I don't know, in, in Gene's scenario, if, if such a craft would ever be captured. But I think just the fact, if it had been observed in motion, that we had something and we couldn't make it would be probably enough. I mean, hopefully it, it could be analyzed the way you suggest. Even a piece of it should give us clues to now it, it might take a decade of study. It, it should be proven that it was constructed off world. You know, even if we can't understand the technology that, the, you know, bound to be different construction techniques, uh, the composition, all that has to be enough different that, that we could tell. And, you know, I just I'm not convinced about any of these rumors of this material on hand now that that it would be something like that. Yeah. So it doesn't seem to represent a design. It's just a, it maybe is some sort of, 
you know, a material or even a metamaterial, which they can say is designed, but we can make things now, like I was just saying, that out of individual atoms, we can make antimatter now, for God's sakes. Like, there's, <laughs> so how do we know? But where are the dilithium crystals? <laughs> Warp eight, engage. Well, I, actually, though, Curtis, you make a really good point, though, on the manufacturer. Just because we can tell it's manufactured doesn't mean that we know how to do it, right? Like, if even if we were to take one of our chips back maybe 100 years, people could look at it with sort of relatively primitive microscopes, and they could tell that it was designed, but they would have no idea how to make one. That might be the situation if we did recover something at Roswell. They're sitting there, and they have no idea what to do with it. Oh, it's a manufactured product. But where do we go from here? And we're not there yet, assuming that's even there. But then if they do have that evidence, we have this separation because that's one universe and the current furor over UFOs is another universe. The twain is not meeting. What is meeting is this set of announcements with Gene Randall and Kircher in The Paracast. listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you want to give you and your loved ones premium nutrition right now? Hi, I'm Jamil Bookaboo from TeamGaday.com and the GCN Longevity Health Team. Get your premium nutrition formulated by world-renowned naturopathic doctor, Dr. Joel Wallach at Wholesale, or also become a distributor and earn income while supporting this broadcast. Go to teamgaday.com via the shopping cart or contact form, and I'll get back to you with support personally. That's teamgaday.com with longevity. Teamgaday.com. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. Silverlungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at Silverlungs.com. That's Silverlungs.com. USA Radio News. Florida's governor takes on the CDC and wins. Here's Mike Fortier. A federal judge Friday ruling in favor of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. DeSantis suing to stop the CDC from requiring that cruise ships only take on passengers who can prove they have been fully vaccinated. The judge rules the CDC exceeded its authority. While it may be a legal victory for DeSantis, it may not be a victory for the cruise industry. Steve Geller is the mayor of Broward County, the home of Port Everglades. I've spoken with leaders of the cruise industry. They have told me they don't think their passengers will go on cruise ships unless they know the, the passengers have been vaccinated, passengers and crew. So starting July 18th, the CDC's vaccine requirement for cruise ships becomes just a recommendation. The CDC has until July 2nd to appeal. From the USA Radio News Florida Bureau, I'm Mike Fortier. This is USA Radio News. Sad news from the White House today. President Biden tweeted that his dog champ, the eldest of the Biden's two German shepherds, passed away peacefully at their home. The Biden family saying, quote, our family lost our loving companion, Champ, today. He was our constant, cherished companion 
during the last 13 years. From the USA Radio News Pacific Northwest Bureau, I'm Wendy King. Robert Steislinger was 28 years old when he died just six days after Thanksgiving in 1950 while serving in the Korean War. The 28-year-old Army First Lieutenant reportedly died fighting enemy forces in North Korea. The defense POW MIA accounting agency says his remains could not be recovered, but three years ago his remains were among those in 55 boxes the North Koreans turned over to the U.S., the Pittsburgh native laid to rest Friday at Arlington National Cemetery, also awarded a bronze star and purple heart, over 100 family and friends in attendance. Still, over 7,600 Americans who fought in Korea remain unaccounted for. You're listening to USA Radio News. Hey, everybody. If you've ever thought about heirloom beans as a storable survival food, I've got great news. In fact, I'll bet it's the best news you've heard in a while. Here's the thing. We've just received a fresh batch of gourmet heirloom beans, survival soup beans. These beans are gorgeous, highly nutritious, and above all, with no hesitation whatsoever, the best tasting beans in the entire world. The best part? We've dropped the price by 33% this week for listeners who know higher food prices are coming and want an inflation hedge you can actually eat if you want to. Gets even better. With your permission and with a high regard for your health and well-being, I also want to send you two pounds of what we think is the single most underrated superfood in the world, period. Go to SoupBeanSurvival.com, that's SoupBeanSurvival.com, and discover the real reason we're giving this unusual superfood away. At SoupBeanSurvival.com, that's SoupBeanSurvival.com. Hi, this is Tracy Torme, screenwriter-producer. You're listening to Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So there, okay, if they have this evidence from way back then, there's no connection with what's going on now, or maybe there will be, and that's the ultimate goal, saying now that we know this is happening thus and so, this is what happened then. It's still deliberately ignoring what happened then. Well, you know, we're talking about about evidence, and of course people already are concerned that there are evidence in hand that we're not seeing it just take the nimitz case which is relatively recently in history they there there have been the freedom of information act request for things but apparently a lot of the information was was gathered it didn't go through proper proper channels to be filed so you know we're we're stymied there and even the video that we've seen did not come from the government vault that was something that was released by by one of the crew members and it was on the internet and it was a copy of that that wound its way back into the pentagon or not back but into the pentagon that was released and that's what we saw so that was a very strange uh, trip that that took so and we would, you know, without it, we wouldn't know much about the rest of the case. And one of the things that, that we've heard about, they have yet to yet to see, is that one of the pilots, the female pilot, Alex Dietrich, has her log entry. I think she had scanned and emailed a copy to Lou Elizondo, and that has that has survived that because that went through Navy channels. And uh, a friend of mine has a, a Freedom of Information Act request on that, and he is he is yet to write about it and publish it. But I think that'll be coming soon. And even if that doesn't demonstrate anything about the exotic nature of the event or anything, it's good documentation from the actual 
time that it took place. And so much of the testimony has been heard years later. So this is one of the, the original pieces. I mean, in any case, you want contemporary accounts and evidence whenever you can get and not secondhand stories years later, like the Roswell case is now down to or third hand. So there's that. And so we have to wonder how much other documentation there is, especially on these more recent cases where, as Randall says, there has to be hundreds of them if we are to believe even half of what they say about these things appearing on basically a daily basis. There has to be a lot of material gathered on that. And I think some of that's within the 120 reports. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can even go back and read some of, you know, if you, if you just do your UFO basic homework, you can read about the authors who have looked into this. And just for NORAD, for example, they you can get information from them on the number of tracks they've had that were unidentified. They don't know who they, and there's thousands of them. So, you know, so you, you think in NORAD's tracking these things, they never sent anyone after them, They but they don't know what they are. That's their job to know what they are. Of course, they sent something after them. And out of thousands of those situations, you think there's really only like none of a report, not one? It, it's just not reasonable. You know, you, you guys might really like this. I just, you know, I've just been doing a little bit of... Uh, digging around while I'm listening to you guys talking here. And, and this is, I've just found something that's really fascinating. And, um, you know, where we're trying to get to who the they are, because we're always talking about, well, they, well, who is that exactly, right? So we were talking earlier in the show about the Defense Intelligence Agency, the DIA. Okay, so everybody says, well, the DIA is responsible for this. Okay, but then where do you go from there? Well, it turns out, that the DIA is above something called the United States Intelligence Community. Now, that just sounds like kind of a vague term, but it's not. It's got its own seal. It's a very specific part of the whole system. Now, get this, guys. Like back in 2010, underneath this intelligence community, there were 1,271 government organizations, 1,931 private companies in 10,000 locations in the United States with 854,000 people holding top secret clearances. Okay? And in their, in their seal, they, they've got 16 stars. So I thought, well, okay, so what are the major ones? Look it up. Go there. Go to this website. It is absolutely amazing what you're dealing with in terms of the intelligence community. And if you scroll down a little bit, you're going to see under National Security Agency, some of these images change, but there's one here. Actually, even the other one, the Department of Energy Office of Intelligence and Counterintelligence is even more interesting because they've got this glowing spherical orb looking thing that is looks like it's floating in the middle of a of a uh, access way inside a ship or something. <laughs> it's it, like I don't know if that's meant to just symbolize a nuclear reactor or something, but it looks like a glowing orb, and it's right on their website. It's really kind of interesting. Hmm. Yeah, the the amount of that the agencies that 
it, it's unbelievable, and you have to wonder how much of those are, are duplicating efforts and 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 also uh, stymieing each other, in a sense, fighting for territory. And that sort of thing. So, and you know, the Air Force used to have the the UFO problem at least publicly, the the public relations problem. But it's always been UFO investigators always speculate speculated the Navy had an active role, and now they have the dominant role. And in fact, you don't even hear any of these cases involving the Air Force that I'm aware of. No statement from them either. They have to still have old statements on their their website, you know, policy statements from Blue Book from 1969 when it, it closed, you know, which, which said, we found no evidence of extraterrestrial. That was the final word and still up there today. So, but there are other possibilities being considered and it's interesting, so interesting who's talking about them, you know, at the high level. And of course, there's also speculation that, well, they're saying all this because it provides cover for our our incursions into other airspace and our space projects and our space force. Well, you know, supposedly the government is prohibited by law from, from engaging in disinformation campaigns against our own citizens. But, you know, you, they, they definitely have bent the truth before, but I, you know, I just, I don't think this is all some massive conspiracy to cover up military projects. And I just don't, I don't buy that. That, that just doesn't, there, there's. Well, then again, you did know, and I, I did want to return to this too, because this is a little bit earlier in the show. It just sort of slipped right by and I haven't had a chance to get back to it until now, but you mentioned an older a tip memo that alluded to the development of systems that could mimic UFO behavior. And I'd like to get back to that because that is really the only other reasonable explanation other than an actual alien craft for these Tic Tac sightings. And I've put it out there that, yeah, maybe we're dealing with some kind of advanced countermeasures. And people say well we, some people go no that's just way too impossible and i go well i i don't i don't think it's necessarily impossible what do you think well i think you're i think you you have a point there and i ufo's unfortunately provide a lot of camouflage for these incidents uh you know experimentation and things like that and you know since we have this term that doesn't really mean anything like you said uh it and so anything that's unexplained in the sky is called a ufo or uap now and it in a way it it stifles an investigation where if you you were able to say it was a military air aircraft then it could be checked out you know the fact that it can be just dismissed as a ufo it's like well we'll get some ufo guys to look into that and it goes nowhere so this is a way therefore to hide what's really going on and i had a couple of quick thoughts about that but we have one more segment to deal with it with Kurt Collins, Gene Steinberg, J. Randall Murphy, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. 
I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Join me, George Norrie, for the Worldwide Contact in the Desert Virtual UFO Conference, June 25th to June 28th. Contact in the Desert is an epic weekend of adventure jam-packed with exciting explorations into UFOs, ancient civilizations, AI, crop circles, forbidden archaeology, disclosure, and the newest evidence of ongoing contact, sightings, and leading-edge science. This amazing weekend delivers more than 130 presentations and special events showcasing 60 seven speakers from all over the world with two extra weeks to view your favorite leading experts, including Avi Loeb with Clyde Lewis, Linda Moulton Howe, Paul Hellyer, John Lear, Russell Targ, David Childress, Doc Wallach, and more. With breaking articles in the New York Times and acknowledged naval sightings, and more importantly, the new release of classified documents on the day of the soft opening of Contact in the Desert, we are your source for inside information. Join us June 25th at contactinthedesert.com to get your tickets today. Make contact, contact in the desert. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. The IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how did it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes, take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax manager. Hotline now, 800-503-8625, Tahibo Tea Club's original Pure Pau Diarco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus doesn't grow on. As a result, it naturally has antifungal, anti-infection, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system. And it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. A one-pound package of tea is $34.95 plus shipping. To order, please visit ShopSuperTea.com. That's Shop, S-H-O-P, Super, S-U-P-E-R, T-T-E-A, dot com. So the complete website is ShopSuperTea.com. Or call us at 818-984-6100, Monday through Saturday, 9 to 5, California time. That's ShopSuperTea.com at 818-984-6100.
This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. A reminder to check out our new Paracast shop at theparacast.shop. We're also inviting contributions from other artists. You'll see what's going on there now, a work in progress, where you can place your order for branded merchandise for the Paracast at theparacast.shop. With Kurt Collins, I was thinking here, if it is possible that we're doing something here that may lead other countries to believe that these UFOs are actually some kind of secret development here, even though we specifically deny that, that could be a repetition of the original Rosetta deception from World War II, where allegedly the ghost rockets were meant to spook the Russians and maybe Roswell was as well. So maybe now we're trying to spook the Iranians, the Russians, the Chinese, and whoever else is maybe on our list of bad actors these days. But then we just get involved with UFO people to kind of muddy the waters? I don't know. This is overlapping with the uh, the Mirage Man premise, the book, and then the documentary that that the military uses deception like this. Sure. And I think that that's probably an aspect of it. I refuse to believe that's the answer for everything. I think that many of these 120 cases are genuine mysteries. But having this does allow the the military this deniability, and they use they use this in the past on things that we know of, from spy balloons and satellites to the spy planes um, that that when it was seen and it wasn't supposed to, and someone said it was a UFO, they they did not step forward to identify it. This could be happening again if they have something else involved, you know. A uh, advanced aircraft, and uh, Randall alluded to some of these uh, countermeasures, and they've had things for since the fifties that where you can spoof radar, and some people have even suggested that the Washington sightings were were that where they weren't actually UFOs; it was a test of the system. Why they would do it over Washington D.C., I can't imagine. It's a scenario to examine. They use this, in, I know, over um, Cuba to camouflage the. Um, the Blackbird flights in the early 60s, you know, that was supposed to have a reduced radar signature anyway, but by sending these other ones out, it provided cover for the aircraft, and they're much likely, much less likely to be fired upon. And so adding to the confusion in any military situation, and usually there's a fair amount, it, it helps them from being a target, and whether or not they're out for a bombing mission or, you know, simply a spy mission. Yeah, I think that's plausible. I think it's certainly worth considering and examining. I don't think the whole UFO mystery is a military deception, but it's something they can exploit when they need to, and whether actively or just passively by not saying it was ours. On the other hand, we can throw another theory out there, since we're throwing theories to the wall and we'll see which one lands, which is we do have alien technology, and this is it. Okay, that's been a plot line in in science fiction um, for a, for a long time. Uh, not not a major one. Usually, just some of the minor pieces. You can certainly see why that would be kept secret. You know, Stan Friedman wrote about that quite a bit over the years, even before he got attached to to Roswell, about how that the nation that could duplicate the performance of of flying saucers or you know have that sort of technology would rule the world. So if we have it, so What's 
keeping them from doing that. You know, you would think that that might not bring peace, but it would bring military supremacy. Well, yeah, even if it could just look like it. This is the the point I was um, trying to make with some of the other people in the ufology community. And you've got believers out there who just will go, no, couldn't be. We need proof of that. The guys at the SCU, I mean, I love those guys, but at the same time, I think they're really kind of focused on the idea that it has to be something else. They're looking at nuts and bolts craft. I'm going, look, if this is some kind of technology that can make the enemy think that there are other craft out there in the uh, theater, you know, the theater of war I'm talking about here, that's amazing. That, That could totally be a game changer in terms of any kind of strategy. Because they're suddenly their radar thinks that there's a whole bunch of craft out there that are coming in one certain direction that aren't really there, but you can actually see them and pick them up on radar, but they're not there. You don't even need real craft then. You've got like a major advantage. Right, they're chasing ghosts. And they're disorganized. They're um, they're not trusting their own personnel. I mean, it just creates a military chaotic situation. So yeah, you yeah, could it, dominate the whole entire situation with that kind of technology if you've got it. And maybe that's what they're saying to people. They're they're sort of leaking it out like that. Like, oh yeah, you guys okay over there can build aircraft carriers too, and you guys can build pretty fancy planes. But can you do this? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and I think there's a really good chance of that. I I mean, I believe alien visitation is a reality, but. Still, I kind of go with that rule of thumb that, well, you know, if it's feasible, if it's possible that we could do this, and I don't see any reason why it's not possible, then why jump to the explanation that it's aliens? And the the hints are that this could be another nation's technology. I don't know that they could have gotten there, but the Chinese are now doing a UFO study of their own, and they even want to bring it to the UN. Unless that's a really clever ploy by them, they're saying it's not us, and they're looking for the help of other nations. There again, maybe maybe this UFO topic is uniting the world. Well, that would be really fascinating if if it does that. I kind of don't believe it at this point. But you see, we're still dealing with what we don't know. We don't know much about this final report, except we have preliminary information. There are no pages and pages of quotes as to what it will say. It's just a general description, and that's it. And we don't know whether there will be a spokesperson who will get up there and say, okay, I'll answer your questions. It may just be, here's the report, goodbye. You figure it out. I think you were right when you said it would be a report promising another report. Which will then in turn promise another report. And by the time <laughs> this is all over, I will be gone, dead and buried, and they'll still be releasing reports. I don't want to end up like my poor friend Tim Beckley, though. Oh, uh, yeah. We should do a little bit of a segment on him sometime. Like, that's, you know, for the people who don't know it there, we've lost Tim Beckley, the uh, Commander X himself kind of thing. Like, uh, you know, too bad about that. Mr. UFO. Remember how he used to call himself Mr. UFO. We can reminisce about this another time. Kurt Collins, it's been fun, and we're going to have you back at After the Powercast. But for now, could you tell our listeners where they go to find out more 
of the things you do. For UFO history and rare cases and unusual events, look at the saucers that Tom forgot, and then more for the current UFO news and events, Blue Blurry Lines. Blue Blurry Lines. He did that because it's a tongue twister. Say that five times fast and your mouth will self-destruct. Kidding, of course. You can find us on Twitter if you look for the Paracast. Look for the Paracast on Facebook. Some people wonder these days why, but Facebook's there and we have to use them. It's a way to get out the word. We also have the Paracast.shop. And the Paracast.shop has been rejiggered yet again. We're trying to make it better, give you a better, bigger, badder range merchandise at good prices. We have, I think, three logos right now. One of them is Randall's. We're inviting outside artists to contribute their logos, too. And we'll work out possibly including them in some of our merchandise. So get in touch with us. The Paracast.shop. It's a work in progress. It's a beta version. You can order, get your merchandise shipped quickly to you. But there'll be some formatting glitches in the descriptions, things like that we're working on. The Paracast.shop. Don't forget the Paracast.plus. We offer the Paracast Plus as a special version for listeners of this show with the After the Paracast podcast and also this show free of the network ads. After the Paracast has extended interviews with the guests on the regular episode and more. In fact, Kurt's going to be with us on After the Paracast. Lots more to talk about. To find out more and take advantage of a special deal, go to theparacast.plus. We offer an Amazon gift certificate for five-year or lifetime subscriptions. Kurt Collins, thank you for joining us on the Paracast. Oh, it was fun. Featuring Gene Steinberg is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in the Paracast.